Hey, Drunk Mythology friends. I'm Kate. And I'm the other Jen. And I'm Kim. And we're the Drunk, Drunk Dracula, Dracula, Dracula Gals. Dracula Gals. Woohoo. Is, oh, is anybody ever going to try? I sped through that time. I kind yeah. of, I've like cruised through it. You know. Yeah. I tried to make sure we're not in sync. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was the plan. Okay. Right? <laughs> well, as long as we've got that settled. So welcome. This is chapter 10 of Bram Stoker's Dracula, celebrating the month of Drunk Dracula Gals, also called October. My calendar says Drunktober. Yes. I like Kim's calendar. Yeah. <laughs> I, I want to be on Kim's calendar. Right. Yeah. You're, you're Miss July. <laughs> You're both oh. Miss July. <laughs> oh, and with Dracula being public domain, we are all covered with the intellectual property lawyers, but we might need some help with other areas like murdering accents, perhaps. Have you been recently injured by a gangrenous knife? <laughs> Someone owes you money. Airblibs. Yablins. Yablins. Oh, yeah. So if anybody wants to help us out on that, front <laughs> diction uh, lessons if you would like to sponsor us anyway yeah, yeah whatever here we go back to england you know what this is it's recap time all right here we go Mina pulls one over on SBMG Southern Baptist Mean Girl Lucy by getting married first after getting reassured several times by Sister Agatha that Jonathan did not get a chance to do the dirty with those hot Transylvania women back at the castle. Back in England, the Honorable Saltine Cracker, I mean Arthur Holmwood, asks Dr. Seward to check up on Lucy, who's probably dying of gangrene because of her infected safety pinned wound. And Dr. <laughs> Seward is like, yeah, sure, except I can't really examine her because your fiance, she's your fiance, and honestly, I'd like to fuck her, and you know that, which makes all of this kind of weird. But I have a mentor who will come help because, yes, let's call in an obscure specialist from Amsterdam instead of a regular London specialist. Dr. Van Helsing arrives and promptly describes the time Dr. Seward sucked him off in the middle of class. I mean, sucked <laughs> the blood out of a Pretty cut much. made by a knife contaminated with gangrene. Oh, my fucking God. What is going on? And why are all the medical books screaming and on fire? Oh, and none of this helps Lucy. Surprise! Surprise! Anyway, Surprise. carry on. Yeah, very well done. Yeah. Letter, Dr. Seward to Honorable Arthur Holmwood, 6 September. My dear Art, my news today is not so good. Lucy this morning has gone back a bit. There is, however, one good thing which has arisen from it. Mrs. Westerner was naturally anxious concerning Lucy and has consulted me professionally about her. I took advantage of the opportunity and told her that my old master, Van Helsing, the great specialist, was coming to stay with me and I would put her in his charge conjointly with myself. So now we can come and go without alarming her unduly, for a shock to her would mean sudden death, and this, in Lucy's weak condition, might be disastrous to her. We are he Can they not call a doctor for mom? Right. Why hasn't a doctor been well, called Well, there's, there's no for real doctors allowed in this house, obviously. Yeah, clearly. <laughs> but this we are, is, this is a hydroxychloroquine house only. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We're hedged in with difficulties, all of us, my poor old fellow, but please God, we shall come through them all right. If any need, I shall write so that if you do not hear from me, take it for granted that I am simply waiting for news. In haste, yours ever, John Seward. Dr. Seward's Diary. 7 September. 
The first thing Van Helsing said to me when we met at Liverpool Street was, Have you said anything to our young friend's lover of her? No, I said. I waited till I had seen you, as I said in my telegram. I wrote him a letter simply Duh. telling him that you were coming, as Miss, Mes- Miss Western was not so well, and that I should let him know if need be. All right, my friend, he said. Quite right. Better he not know yet. Perhaps he shall never know. Après so, but if it be needed, then he shall know all. Duh. And, my good friend Jean, <laughs> let me caution you. You deal with the madmen. But all men are mad in some way or another. And Here as much go. as you deal discreetly with your madmen, so deal with God's madmen too. The rest of the world. Oh, that's cheerful. Wow. You tell not your madmen what you do, nor why you do it. You tell them not what you think. So you should keep your knowledge in its place where it may rest, where it may gather its kind around and breed. Oh. Okay. Oh. Okay, yeah, that's not how I want to think about my brain cells. You and Mm-mm. I shall keep it as yet, as yet what we know here and here. Okay, that's a unfollow and block, pal. Right? <laughs> he touched. He touched me on the heart and on the forehead, then touched himself the same way. Oh, uh, that, takes me, that takes me back. <laughs> I have thought for I have for myself thoughts at the present. Later, I shall unfold them to you. Why not now, I asked. It may do some good. We may arrive at some decision. He stopped and looked at me and said, this is the stupidest thing I have ever seen in my entire life. Go on. (laughs) I know. (laughs) My friend Jean, when the corn is grown, even before it has ripened, while the milk of its mother earth is in him, and the sunshine has not yet begun to paint him with his gold, the husbandman, he pull up the ear and rub him between his rough hands. Oh, my God. And blow away the green chaff. And oh, say to you, look, he's good corn. He will make oh good God. crop when the time comes. I did not see the application. And I told him so. For reply, he reached over and took my ear in his hand and pulled it playfully, as he used to long ago do at lectures. And he said, what the fuck was happening in these lectures? Oh, really? my God. Ooh, Maybe I'm still role playing. I don't know. The good mm. husband may tell you so, then because he knows, but not till then. But you do not find a good husbandman dig up his planted corn to see if he grow, for that is for the children who play at husbandry, and not those who take it as one of the work of their life. See you now, friend Jean, I have sown my corn, and nature has her work to do in making it sprout. If he sprout at all, there's some promise. And I wait till the ear begins to swell. You know, the ear that I am still oh, holding. That you're holding. <laughs> this is, he's not talking about corn. This is all euphemism, right? It's all code <laughs> for something. Code for something. <laughs> also, um, have you seen that YouTube video about the corn? The corn no. song? Oh no. my God, it's the cutest thing ever. Okay, we'll get back to that. Okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it, it's legit heartwarming. He okay. broke off, or he evidently saw that I understood, or I pretended to understand so he would let go of my ear. <laughs> right. Then he went on, and very gravely. You were always a careful student, and your casebook was ever more full than the rest. You were only student then, now you are master, and I trust that good habit have not failed. Remember, my friend, that knowledge is stronger than memory, and we should not trust the weaker. 
even if you have not kept the good practice, let me tell you that this case of our dear miss is one that maybe, mind, I say maybe, of such interest to us and others that all the rest may not make him kick the beam, as you people say. What? Which which people? What? <laughs> what beam? Kick the beam? <laughs> okay. Take then a good note of it. Uh, nothing is too small, I counsel you. Put down in record even your doubts and surmise, surmises. Hereafter, it may be of interest to you to see how tall you guess, because that's how we like to play with people's lives. Right. right. We learn from failure, not from success. When I described Lucy's symptoms, the same as before, but infinitely more marked, he looked very grave, but said nothing. He took with him a bag in which were many instruments and drugs, the ghastly paraphernalia of our beneficial trade, as he once called it in one of his lectures, the equipment of a professor of the healing craft. When we were shown in, Mrs. Weston met us. She was alarmed, but not nearly so much as I expected to find her. Nature, in one of her beneficial moods, has ordained that even death has some antidote to its own terrors. What? 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 Okay. So, here in a case where any shock may prove fatal, matters are so ordered that, from some cause or other, things not personal, even the terrible change in her daughter to whom she is so attached, do not seem to reach her. It's something like the way Dame Nature gathers round a foreign body an envelope of some insensitive tissue which can protect from an evil that would otherwise harm by contact. I mean, the dude could have just said, it's like how a pearl is made, and that would have been way less words. Isn't isn't he describing a pearl? Yes. If this be an ordered selfishness, then we should pause before we condemn anyone of the vice of egoism, for there may be deeper root for its causes than we have any knowledge of. I don't know what all those words together mean. That's just, what? (laughs) I think he's saying mom doesn't seem to put off by everything that's going on with her daughter because she's dying and uh, is forming a pearl around herself. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I use my Carry knowledge on. of this phrase of spiritual pathology and laid down a rule that she should not be present with Lucy or think of her illness more than was absolutely required. She assented readily, so readily that I get, again saw the hand of nature fighting for life. Van Helsing and I were shown up to Lucy's room. If I was shocked when I saw her yesterday, I was horrified when I saw her today. <laughs> she was ghastly, chalkily pale. The red seemed to have even gone out from her lips and gums, and the bones of her face stood out prominently. Her breathing was painful to see or hear. Van Helsing's face grew set as marble, and his eyebrows converged till they almost touched over his nose. Lucy lay motionless and did not seem to have the strength to speak, so for a while we were all silent. Then Van Helsing... <laughs> Okay. Then Van Helsing beckoned to me and we all went gently out of the room. The instant we had closed the door, he stepped quickly along the passage to the next door, which was open. Oh my God. Then he pulled me in. Thank you for filling us in on the doorway situation. Doorways. (laughs) And he pulled me in quickly with him and closed the door. My God. He said. This is dreadful. There is no time to be lost. She will die for sheer want of blood to keep the art action as it must be. There must be the transfusion of blood at once. Is it you or me? I am younger and stronger, Professor. It must be me. (laughs) Then get ready at once. I will bring up my bag. I am prepared. I went downstairs with him and we were going in. There was a knock at the hall door. When we reached the hall, the maid had just opened the door and Arthur... Another door! Jesus Christ! (laughs) <laughs> Arthur was quickly was stepping quickly in. He rushed up to me, saying in an eager whisper, Jack, I was so anxious. 
I read between the lines of your letter and have been in agony. The dad was better, so I ran down here to see for myself. Is not that gentleman Dr. Van Helsing? I am so thankful uh-huh. to you, sir, for coming. When first the professor's eye had lit upon him, he had been angry at his interruption at such time. But now, as he took in his stalwart proportions and recognized the strong young manhood which seemed to emanate from him, his eyes gleamed. (laughs) Without a pause, he said to him gravely as he held out his hand, So, you have got me in time. You are the lover of our dear miss. She is bad, very, very bad. Nay, my child, do not go like that. You're all drifting into like Pepe Le Pew territory here. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's all I mean, he, he is supposed to, I, I'm making him a French Dutchman. Okay. For I, he suddenly I can't do a Dutch pe- accent. No. <laughs> Nobody For suddenly needs that. He, Oh my God, Kate. <laughs> Does the next line say Kate? No, it says Kim. So sit down. <laughs> For he suddenly grew pale and sat down in a chair, almost fainting. You are to help her. You can do more than any that live, and your courage is your best help. What can I do? Asked Arthur hoarsely. Tell me, and I shall do it. My life is hers, and I would give the last drop of blood in my body for her. The professor has a strongly humorous side, and (laughs) I could, from old knowledge, detect a trace of its origin in his answer. My young sir... I do not ask as much as that. Not the last. <laughs> what shall I do? <laughs> Try the veal. There was fire in his eyes and his open nostrils quivered with intent. Van Helsing slapped him on the shoulder. Come. You he are said, a man. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a man we want. You are better than me, better than my friend Jean. I beg your pardon. Whoa. <laughs> Arthur looked bewildered, and the professor went on by explaining in a kindly way. Young miss is bad, very bad. She wants blood, and blood she must have or die. My friend Jean and I have consulted. We are about to perform what we call the transfusion of blood to transfer from full veins to the empty veins, which pine for him. Jean was to give his blood, and as he is the more young and more strong than me... Here, Arthur took my hand and wrung it hard in silence. But now you are here, and you are more good than us, old or young, who toil much in the world of thought. Our nerves are not so calm, and our blood not so bright than yours. Arthur turned to him and said, If you only knew how gladly I would die for her, you would understand. He stopped with a sort of choke in his voice. Good boy, said Van Helsing. It is... In the not so far off, you will be happy that you have done all you uh, all f- for her you love. Come now and be silent. You shall kiss her once before it is done. <laughs> but then you must go. And you must leave at my sign. Say no word to the madame. You know how it is with her. There must be no shock. Any knowledge of this would be one. Come. We all went up to Lucy's room. Arthur, by direction, remained outside. Lucy turned her head and looked at us, but said nothing. She was not asleep, but she was simply too weak to make the effort. Her eyes spoke to us, and that was all. Van Helsing took some things from his bag and laid them over on a little table out of sight. Then he mixed a narcotic, and coming over to the bed, said cheerfully, Now, little miss, here is your medicine. Drink it off like a good child. See, I lift so you can swallow easy. Yes. 
She made the effort with success. It astonished <laughs> me how long the drug took to act. Like when before the edibles kick in, that right. can feel like a really long time. This, in fact, marked the extent of her weakness. The time seemed endless until sleep began to flicker in her eyelids. At last, however, the narcotic began to manifest its potency and she fell into a deep sleep. When the professor was satisfied, he called Arthur into the room and bade him strip off his coat. Then he added, You may take that one little kiss while I bring over the table. Friend John, up to me. So neither of us looked while he bent over her. Van Helsing turned to me and said, He is so young and strong and full of blood, so pure that we need not defibrinate it. I'm sure that's a real thing. Uh, you have any idea what that is? I have no clue what that word means. Nope. Okay, nope. we'll move on then. <laughs> it's something medicine-y. Then, with swiftness, with, with absolute method, Van Helsing performed the operation. As the transfusion went on, something like life seemed to come back to poor Lucy's cheeks. And through Arthur's growing pallor, the joy of his face seemed absolutely to shine. After a bit, I began to grow anxious, for the loss of blood was telling on Arthur, strong man as he was. It gave me an idea of what a terrible strain Lucy's system must have undergone, that what weakened Arthur only partially restored her. But the professor's face was set. And he stood watch in hand with his eyes fixed now on the patient and now on Arthur. I could hear my own heartbeat. Presently, he said in a soft voice, Do not stir an instant. It is enough. You attend him. I will look to her. Well, all was over, I could see how much Arthur was weakened. I dressed the wound and took his arm to bring him away. When Van Helsing spoke without turning round, the man seems to have eyes in the back of his head. The brave lover, I think, deserve another kiss, which he shall have presently. Let's drag this poor bastard back and forth across the room. <laughs> I'm sure he just wants to go lie down at this point. Yeah. And as, as he had now finished his operation, he adjusted the pillow to the patient's head. As he, Okay, oh, here's some important stuff coming up. As he did so, the narrow black velvet band, which she seemed always to wear around her throat, buckled with an old diamond buckle, which her lover had given her, was dragged up a little and showed a red mark on her throat. <gasps> Arthur, yeah, Arthur did not notice it, but I could hear the deep hiss of indrawn breath, which is one of Van Helsing's ways of betraying emotion. My, hus my husband does that. We call it the anabolic gasp. <laughs> it's usually when I've loaded the dishwasher wrong, I hear. <laughs> <laughs> he said nothing at the moment, but turned to me saying, Now, take our brave young lover, give him some of the port wine and let him lie down a little while. He must then go home and rest, sleep much and eat much, that me, he may be recruited of what he has given so much to his love. He must not stay here. Hold a moment. I may take it, sir, that you are anxious of a result. Uh, then bring it with you that in always the operation is successful. You have saved her life this time, and you can go home and rest easy in mind that all can be is. I shall tell how... Uh, all when she is well. She shall love you nonetheless for what you have done. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. <laughs> when Arthur gone, I went back to the room. Lucy was sleeping gently, but her breathing was stronger. I could see the counterpane moving as her breast heaved. By the bedside sat Van Helsing, looking at her intently. I the, bet he was. <laughs> the velvet band again covered the red mark. I asked the professor in a whisper, what do you make of that mark on her throat? Safety pin. <laughs> what do you make of it? I have not examined it yet, I answered, and then and there proceeded to loose the band. Just over the external jugular vein, there were two punctures. Not large, but not wholesome looking. Gangrene! There was, 
<laughs> of which I have some familiarity. There was no disease, but there was no sign of disease, but the edges were white and worn looking as if by some trituration. And it once occurred to me that this wound or whatever it was might be the means of that manifest loss of blood. But I abandoned the idea as soon as it was formed because apparently I'm an idiot. For, <laughs> for such a thing could not be. The whole bed would have been drenched to a scarlet with the blood the girl must have lost to leave such a pallor as she had before the transfusion. Well, said Van Helsing. <clears throat> well, said I, I can make nothing of it. The professor stood up. I must go back to Amsterdam tonight, he said. There are books and things there which I want. You must remain here all the night, and you must not let your sight pass from her. Shall I have a nurse? I asked. We are the best nurses, you and I. You keep watch all night. See that she is well fed and that nothing disturbs her. You must not sleep at all the night. Later on, we can sleep, you and I. I shall be back as soon as possible, and then we may begin. May begin, I said. What on earth do you mean? We shall see. Oh, this motherfucker. <laughs> I am not. Oh, my God. <laughs> he answered as he hurried out the door. He came back a moment later and put his, put his head inside the door and said with a warning finger held up. Remember, she is your charge. If you leave her and harm befall, you shall not sleep easy hereafter. Bye-bye. Jesus. Okay. Wow. Oh, Good that's Lord. not foreshadowing. Not at, not all. at all. Dr. Bye. Seward's diary continued. 8 September. I sat up all night with Lucy. The opiate worked itself off towards dusk. But what about Lucy? The right? opiate worked itself off towards <laughs> dusk and she waked naturally. She looked a different being from what she'd been before the operation. Her spirits even were good and she was full of a happy vivacity. But I could see evidences of the absolute prostration which she had undergone. When I told Mrs. Westenra that Dr. Van Helsen had directed the idea, I stood up for her. She almost poo-pooed the idea, pointing out her daughter's renewed strength and excellent spirits. I was firm, however, and made preparations for my long vigil. When her maid had prepared her for the night, I came in, having in the meantime had supper, and took a seat by the bedside. She did not in any way make objection, but looked at me gratefully whenever I caught her eye. <laughs> After a long spell, she seemed sinking off to sleep, but with an effort seemed to pull herself together and shook it off. This was repeated several... Oh, this is like when my cat's trying not to fall asleep. Uh, this was repeated several times with greater effort and with shorter pauses as the time moved on. It was apparent that she did not want to sleep, so I tackled the subject at once. You do not want to go to sleep? No, I am afraid. Afraid to go to sleep? Why so? It is the boon we all crave for. Ah, not if you were like me, if sleep was to you a presage of horror. A presage of horror? What on earth do you mean? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I don't know. And what is what is so terrible? And that is what is so terrible. All this weakness comes to me in sleep until I dread the very thought. But my dear girl, you may sleep tonight. I am here watching you, and I can promise that nothing will happen. Uh, I can trust you. <laughs> I seized the opportunity and said, I promise you that if you see any evidence of bad dreams, I will wake you at once. You will? Oh, will you really? How good you are to me. Then I will sleep. And almost at the word, she gave a deep sigh of relief and sank back asleep. All night long, I watched over her. She never stirred, but slept on and on in a deep, 
tranquil, life-giving, health-giving sleep, much like this chapter is doing right now. Her lips were slightly parted and her breasts rose and fell with the regularity of a pendulum. There was a smile on her face and it was evident that no bad dreams had just come to disturb her peace of mind. In early morning, her maid came and I left her in her care and took myself back home, for I was anxious about many things. I sent a short wire to Van Helsing and to Arthur, telling them of the excellent results of the operation. My own work, with its manifold arrears, took me all day to clear off. It was dark when I was able to inquire about my zoophagist patient. The report was good. He'd been quite quiet for a past day and a night. A telegram came from Van Helsing at Amsterdam whilst I was at dinner, suggesting that I should be at Hillingham tonight, as it may be, may be well to at hand, and stating that he was leaving by the night mail and would join me early in the morning. 9 September. I was pretty tired and worn out when I got to Hillingham. For two nights, I had hardly a wink of sleep, and my brain was beginning to feel that numbness which marks cerebral exhaustion. Same. Lucy was up. Yeah. Been there. <laughs> Lucy was up and in cheerful spirits. When I shook hands with me, she looked me sharply in the face and said, No sitting up tonight for you. You are worn out. I am quite well again. Indeed, I am. And if there is to be any sitting up, it is I who will sit up with you. I would not argue the point, but went and had my supper. Lucy came with me, and enlivened by her charming presence, I made an excellent meal and had a couple of glasses of more than excellent port. Uh-huh. That's a lot. That's a lot. <laughs> port, port is fairly strong. Then hey. Lucy took me upstairs and showed me a room next to her own where a cozy fire was burning. Now, she said, you must stay here. I shall leave this door open and my door too. You can lie on the sofa, for I know that nothing would induce any of you doctors to go to bed whilst there's a patient above the horizon. If I want anything, I shall call out and you can come to me at once. I could not but acquiesce, for I was quote unquote dog tired. <laughs> like the Americans say, and could not have sat up if I tried. So on her renewing her promises to call me if she should want anything, I lay on the sofa and forgot all about everything. Oh, yeah, there's your mistake. Yep. Van Helsing told him, don't do the thing. Mm -hmm. And do not do the thing. And here he goes doing the thing. Okay. He did the Lucy, thing. Lucy Westenra's diary. 9 September. I feel so happy tonight. I have been so miserably weak that to be able to think and move about is like feeling sunshine after a long spell of east wind out of a steel sky. Okay. Somehow Arthur feels very, very close to me. I seem to feel his presence warm about me. It's I suppose... <laughs> I suppose it is that sickness and weakness are selfish things and turn our inner eyes and sympathy on ourselves whilst health and strength give love reign. And in thought and feeling, he can wander where he wills. I know where my thoughts are. Oh, if yeah. Arthur only knew. You little tart. <laughs> my is that or something? My dear, my dear, your ears must tingle as you sleep, as mine do waking. Oh, Jesus oh, the, <laughs> oh, the blissful rest of last night. How I slept with that dear, good Dr. Seward watching me. And tonight I shall not fear to sleep since he is close at hand and within call. Thank everybody for being so good to me. 
Thank God. Good night, Arthur. Dr. Seward's Diary, 10 September. I was conscious of the professor's hand on my head and startled awake in a second. That's one of the things we learn in an asylum. At any rate, when somebody touches your head, you wake up. I, I mean, I, I guess. Okay. <laughs> sure. That's in the HR manual. <laughs> <laughs> and I was our patient. Well, when I left her, or rather, rather when she left me, I answered. Come, let us see, he said. And together we went into the room. The blind was down, and I went over to raise it gently, whilst Van Helsing stepped with his soft cat-like tread over to the bed. Creepy. As I raised the blind and the morning sunlight flooded the room, I heard the professor's low hiss of inspiration. <gasps> Thank you. And knowing its rarity, a deadly fear shot through my heart. As I passed over, he moved back, and his exclamation of horror, Gott in Himmel! Oh, he learned how to swear in Germany, even though he was taught how to speak in France. Oh, and he's a Dutchman, okay? Whatever. He's, a Dutchman. he's the UN. Needed no enforcement from his agonized face. He raised his hand and pointed to the bed, and his iron face was drawn and ashen white. I felt my knees begin to tremble. There on the bed, seemingly in a swoon, lay poor Lucy, more horribly white and wan-looking than ever. Even the lips were white, and the gums seemed to have shrunken back from the teeth, as we sometimes see in a corpse, after a prolonged illness. Van Helsing raised his foot to stamp in anger, but the instinct of his life and all the long years of habit stood to him, and he put it down again softly. Quick, he said. Bring the brandy. <laughs> We're doing an awesome job today. Right? Look, <laughs> All know. over these cues. <laughs> I flew to the dining room and returned with the decanter. He wetted the poor white lips with it, and together we rubbed palm and wrist and heart. He felt her heart, and after a few moments of agonizing suspense, he said, It is not too late. It beats. Dobbit feebly. All our work is undone. We must now begin again. There is no young Arthur here now. I have to call on you yourself this time, friend John, and your uh, subpar blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yesterday my blood wasn't good enough for you. Yeah. <laughs> As he spoke, he was dipping into his bag and producing the instruments for transfusion. I had taken off my coat and rolled up my shirt sleeve. There was no possibility of an opiate just at the present and no need of one. And so, without a moment's delay, we began the operation. <laughs> After a time, it did not seem a short time either, for the draining away of one's blood, no matter how willingly it be given, is a terrible feeling. Van Helsing held up a warning finger. Do not stir. He said, but I feel that with the growing strength, she may wake and that would make danger. Oh, so much danger. But I shall precaution take. I shall give hypodermic injection of morphia. Oh, this is like the reverse of Pulp Fiction. Wow. It, okay. Right when they, in Pulp Fiction, they give the hypodermic injection of uh, adrenaline. Yeah. Oh, and this time he's giving one of morphia to keep her from waking up. He proceeded mm -hmm. then swiftly and deftly to carry out his intent. The effect on Lucy was not bad for the fate seemed to merge subtly into the narcotic sleep. That is the best feeling. Oh, um, anyway, <laughs> then it was with a feeling of personal pride. From a medical perspective. I, of course. Right. Uh, I, I saw it in a movie once. Uh, it was a feeling of pride <laughs> that I could see a faint tinge of color seal back into the pallid cheeks and lips. No man knows till he experiences it what it feels like his but it's like to feel his own lifeblood drawn away into the veins of the woman he loves. Hashtag virgin. Who is oh. engaged to somebody else. Right. Need yeah. to remind you. Yeah. The, prof the professor watched me critically. That will do. He said. Already, I remonstrated. You took a great deal more from art. <laughs> 
Uh, oh, I'm sorry. That's, that's still me. Uh, to sorry, which I, I knew I messed up somewhere there. Yeah, right. we're, gonna, we're gonna do that part over. Okay. Is that what you do? There, there you go. He said. Already, I remonstrated. You took a great deal more from art. To which he smiled a sort of sad smile as he replied, "He "Is our lover, our fiance? You have work, much work to do for her and for others, and the present will suffice." When we stopped the operation, he attended to Lucy, whilst I applied digital pressure to my own incision. I lay down, whilst I waited his leisure to attend to me, for I felt faint and a little sick. I kind of feel the same way. Right. By and by, he bound up my wound, and he sent me downstairs (laughs) to get a glass of wine for myself. As I was leaving the room, he came after me and half-whispered, Mind, nothing must be said of this. If our young lover should turn up unexpected as before, no word to him. It would at once frighten him and and jealous him. There must be none. So... Hmm. Hmm. When I came back, he looked at me carefully and then said, Nah, you're not much the worse. Go into the room and lie on the sofa and rest a while, and then have much breakfast and come here to me. I followed out his orders, for I knew <laughs> Take how care right of yourself, and kid. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Go clean yourself up, you slob. I knew how right and wise they were. I had done my part, and now my next duty was to keep up my strength. I felt very weak, and in the weakness lost something of the amazement at what had occurred. I fell asleep on the sofa, however, wondering over and over again how Lucy could have made such a retrograde movement, and how she could have been drained of so much blood with no sign anywhere to show for it. I think I must have continued my wonder in my dreams, for sleeping and waking, my thoughts always came back to the little punctures in her throat, and the ragged, exhausted appearance of their edges, tiny though they were. This is like the Lucy's- one good thought he has. Like, Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> but, they're, but they're not following through. No, they're not. <laughs> Lucy slept well in the day, and when she woke, she was fairly well and strong, though not nearly so much as the day before. When Van Helsing, and- Van Helsing had seen to her, he went out for a walk, leaving me in charge with strict, <laughs> with strict injunctions that I was not to leave her for a moment. I could hear his voice in the hall asking the way to the nearest telegraph office. Well, the nearest Lucy telegraph chatted office. with me freely and seemed quite unconscious that anything had happened. <laughs> I tried to keep her amused and interested. When her mother came up to see her, she did not seem to notice any change whatever, but said to me gratefully, We owe so much to you, Dr. Seward, for all you have done, but you really must now take care not to overwork yourself. You are looking pale yourself. You want a wife to nurse and look after you a bit that you do. So Lucy and her mother have exactly the same accent. Oh, did I miss that this is the mother and not Lucy? Oh, yeah, that was, that was okay. Fine, whatever. As she spoke, Lucy turned crimson, though it was only momentarily, for her poor wasted veins could not stand for such long such an unwanted drain to the head. The reaction came in <laughs> excessive pallor as she turned imploring eyes upon me. I smiled and nodded and laid my finger on my lips. With a sigh, she sank back amid her pillows. Ben Helsing returned in a couple of hours and presently said to me, Now you can go home and eat much and drink enough. Make yourself strong. I stay here tonight and I shall sit up with the little miss myself. You and I must watch the case and we must have none other to know. I have grave reasons. No, do not ask them. Think what you will. Do not fear to think even the most not probable. Good night. Bye-bye. Wow. In the hall, two of the maids. <laughs> in the hall, two of the maids came to me and asked if they or either of them might not sit up with Miss Lucy. They implored me to let them, and when I said it was Doctor Van Helsing's wish that either E or I should sit up, they asked me quite piteously to intercede with the foreign gentleman. 
I was much touched by their kindness. Perhaps it's because I am weak at present, and because, <laughs> perhaps because it was on Lucy's account that their devotion was manifested. For over and over again, I have seen similar instances of women's kindness. I got back here in time for late <laughs> dinner, went my rounds, all well, and set down this and set this down whilst waiting for sleep. It is coming. I'm assuming he means sleep is coming. Uh, I, I it hope could so. be code for something. Yeah. There's 11 so September. Code. This afternoon, I went over to Hillingham, found Van Helsing in excellent spirits, and Lucy much better. Shortly after I arrived, a big parcel from abroad came for the professor. He opened it with much impressment, assumed of course, and showed a great bundle of white flowers. These are for you, Miss Lucy, he said. For me? Oh, Dr. Van Helsing! Yes, my dear, but not for you to play with. These are medicines. Here, Lucy made a wry face. Nay, but they are not to be taken in decoction or in nauseous form. So you need not snub that so charming nose, or I shall point out to my friend Arthur what woes he may have to endure in seeing so much beauty that he loves so much distort. Your face Aha. is going to freeze like that. <laughs> That's basically what he just said. <laughs> he is... Uh, this guy is the worst. Wow. Uh -huh. And oh, the best cool. at the same time. <laughs> no, he is still the worst. Aha, uh -huh, my okay. pretty miss. That brings us so nice all straight again. This is medicinal, but you do not know how. I put him in your window. I make pretty wreaths and hang him around your neck so that you sleep well. Oh, yes. This, they, like the lotus flower, make your trouble forgotten. It smells like the... It smells so like the waters of Let and of that fountain of youth that the conquistadors sought for in the Florida's high OG and find them all too late. While he was speaking, Lucy had been examining the flowers and smelling them. Now she threw them down, saying with half laughter and half disgust, Oh, Professor, I believe you are only putting up a joke on me. Why, these flowers are only common garlic. To my surprise, Van Helsing rose up and said with all his sternness, his iron jaw set and his bushy eyebrows meeting. <laughs> no trifling with me. I never jest. Uh, yes, you do. You just there did, is, right? <laughs> there is grim purpose in all I do, and I warn you that you do not swat me. Take care for the sake of others, if not for your own. Then, seeing poor Lucy scared, as she might well be, he went on more gently. <laughs> Oh, little miss, do not fear, do not fear me. I only do for your good. But there is much virtue to uh, in those common flowers. See, I place them myself in your room. I make myself the wreath that you are to wear. But hush, no telling others that make so inquisitive questions. We must obey, and silence is a part of obedience, and obedience is to bring you strong and well into the loving arms that wait for you. Now sit still a while, come with me, my friend John, and you shall help me deck the room with my garlic, which is all the way from Arlem, where my, my friend Vanderpool raised herb in his glass houses all the year. I had to tell you. Know, I thought about raising herb for a while, but I was afraid I was going to get caught. Right. <laughs> 
<laughs> I did telegraph yesterday, or they would not have been here because you cannot. We went into garlic anywhere in, in London. Where in London? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we went into the room, taking the flowers with us. The professor's actions were certainly odd and not to be found in any pharmacopoeia I've ever heard of. First, he fastened up the windows and latched them securely. <laughs> Next, taking a handful of the flowers, he rubbed them all over the sashes as though to ensure that every whiff of air that might get in would be laden with the garlic smell. Then, with wisp, he rubbed all over the jam of the door, above, below, and at each side, and round the fireplace in the same way. It all seemed grotesque to me, and presently I said, <laughs> well, Professor, I know you always have a reason for what you do, but this certainly puzzles me. It is well we have no skeptic here, or he would say you're working some spell to keep out an evil spirit. But you that's think? ridiculous. Oh my <laughs> God, really? <gasps> Perhaps I am. Uh -huh. He answered quietly as he began to make the wreath which Lucy was to wear around her neck. We then waited while Lucy made her toilet for the night, and when she was in bed, he came and fixed himself fixed the wreath of garlic round her neck. The last words he said to her were, Take care, you do not disturb it, and even if the room feels close, do not open tonight uh, the door or the window. Hmm? I promise, said Lucy. And thank you both a thousand times for all your kindness to me. Oh, what have I done to be blessed with such friends? As we left the house in my fly, I assume his coach. <laughs> oh, <laughs> small coach. As we small left the house coach. in my fly, which was waiting, Van Helsing said, Tonight I can sleep in peace and sleep I want. Do not have travel, much reading in the day between, and much anxiety on the day to follow and the night to sit up without a wink. Tomorrow in the morning, early, you call for me and we come together and see how our prettiness is so much more strong for my spell, which I have worked. Ho -ho. He seemed so confident I that I, remembering my own confidence two nights before, and with the baneful results, felt awe and vague terror. It must have been my weakness that made me hesitate to tell it to my friend, but I felt it, or the more, like unshed tears. And that's where we will stop for the day. Because now I, I want, like, garlic pizza or something. Yeah, I like have craving. questions. I okay. actually have questions on this. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Blood transfusion. You told us back, I think in chapter one, what year this was probably written. 1897. Roughly. We didn't have blood typing then, no. did we? Did no. they? So uh, they just kind of rolled the dice. Yeah. They rolled the dice, yeah. I mean, did they even understand yet that there were different blood types? And only in racist terms. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And I so also Googled defibrination. Okay. Well, what is it? it? It's basically an old-fashioned way of centrifuging or separating the parts of blood. Like the blood from the plasma, the platelet from the yeah, plasma, that sort of exactly. thing. Yeah, exactly. So they weren't amazing. completely in the dark then. They had some idea of-, of They, they uh, were just stumbling around in like right. the half-light. Okay. So, <laughs> right. they were, so they were on the path, but this really, like Kim said, rolling the dice- I mean, if, if the idea is she's either going to die or she's not, depending on what we do in the next couple of minutes, I think they, you know, he, they probably did the right thing. Right. Yeah. And then they followed Except it up with the garlic. Also, yeah. I mean, it, you know, if hydroxychloroquine doesn't work, use ivermectin. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. And they just happened to be fortunate in this case that the blood types were okay. Also, yeah. uh, Lucy has some supernatural shit going on in her blood right now. So it, it, she, it, she just oh, may have reacted well to she any could blood. Also be she could that's, also be AB negative. That's yeah. an interesting universal yeah. recipient. Mm -hmm. Right. 
right? Interesting yeah. theory. Plausible, but, but not great. Course, right. <laughs> but of course, Bram has no clue of any of that as he's writing this. Uh, very little. Like, I just, yeah. I mean, they know that obviously some people didn't survive blood transfusions. They just didn't, weren't sure why. Right. Okay. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Yeah, advance the plot, so it's in. Yeah. All right. So, Kate, what's coming up in the next chapter? Well, tomorrow, Mrs. Westernra reminds us why you shouldn't take medical advice from Facebook. We meet England's <laughs> second worst reporter, and Lucy, oh, despite no. knowing better, does the thing. Oh, oh God. No. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, this is... Yeah. yeah. Okay. Don't yep. forget to check us out on Patreon, by the way, at patreon.com slash gals. That's right. For the month of October, we have the Drunk Dracula Gals tier for just $1. You get all these Dracula episodes sooner. But you also get access to all of our other Lit Crit Hour episodes, Russian Wolf included. Yeah, That's right. And thanks again for joining us. Please subscribe, leave a rating or review, and tell your friends and family about us, especially if they're like, hey, let's play Wheel of Fortune blood type transfusion. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take a vowel. I'll take an A. <laughs> I'll take Finally, a always remember, if the undead can behave badly, then so can you. Oh.